0: If you were given a top secret mission to steal a highly sensitive document from an international mega corporation, how would you do it?
1: So, this was a, a, a very large corporation, um, one that, yeah, you know, if you said the name out loud, everyone would know it and they'd be like, oh, okay, those people.
0: Our story begins at
1: a mega corporation, HQ. This was a massive site as well. We're talking like several buildings on a huge campus that was um, you know, very well guarded.
0: We're not talking about some run-of-the-mill retail or fast food chain. This is the kind of place that has important things
1: they don't want you to see and enemies who want to get their hands on it. Imagine a huge campus. Uh, encased in uh, really high security fencing, the barbed wire the lot, everything. Um, And they had a really great security system for getting people in and out right? So if you showed up um, in a car for example uh, there were AMPR camera recorders um, that read your number plate and said if you were expected or not. Um, They had great security cameras there they had guards on the door making sure like everyone in the in the car was actually meant to be in the car with if they were expected
0: to cover the threat of car bombs the facility allows no parking
1: near the building so what they did was they set up a park and ride system Uh, now that's a system where you have a car park miles away and then a small shuttle bus um picks people up from the car park regularly and takes you onto the site kind of like how an airport car park works right
0: Between barbed wire fencing, a system of security cameras and guarded checkpoints, it's like an airport, or maybe a border crossing. But upon further
1: inspection, there seemed to be a hole in the system. And so uh, I find out where this car park is just by following people every day. And after a couple of days, I find the car park. I literally just drive into the car park. No one checks who I am, because it's it's, a... a public car park essentially and I wait around for the bus to turn up and then I get on the bus and nobody checks who I am no one checks for a badge to say you're going to this site because well they're the only people going to the site no one no one tries to get into someone else's office right so I'm sat on the bus and we pull up to the gate and uh, you know the guard comes over. He's expecting the bus. The bus is recognised by the AMPR system. The guards recognise the driver. They recognise that there's people on the bus that are coming to work, and they just let the van in. So we just like drive this bus right up to the uh, the reception, and everyone gets off the bus. Every other person
0: in the facility is an employee who knows where they're going, and you know
1: isn't trying to steal sensitive company secrets. I was walking around the offices, trying to work out, like, you know, where can I go, what's going to be valuable? And I thought, well, what about the, the sort of, you know, the, the main people there, the, 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 sort of the bosses of the building? So I located their offices, and um, thankfully the, the bosses were out. They were out for some meeting or something. Um, and there was a secretary um, outside their their offices and I thought okay I, I need to somehow get into their office but I need to get past this uh, secretary so I picked up a pad and pen- pencil from a, a, a nearby desk just took it off the desk and wandered over and was trying to act a little bit bumbly like i was always like knocking stuff off uh, her desk and stuff as i was trying to talk to her and, and kind of be a little bit flirtatious but also trying to ask her some questions that didn't really make sense about where the bosses were etc in the process of doing all of this and trying to distract her i stole some stuff from her desk right so she had like a little pile of of paperwork on her desk so i actually stole that and, and thanked her for a time and, and wandered off Maybe the secretary's papers would be a clue to where the really good stuff is. I went through the paperwork, thinking there might be something interesting in there. And what I found was a letter from the board of directors to the two bosses that were in this building, firing them for, um, for doing fraudulent stuff. A document
0: with proof of fraud at the executive level.
1: And that type of information would be incredibly valuable because A, you could do like insider trading for share prices, etc. Going down, you could use it for blackmail against the, the directors that didn't know that they were about to be fired. You know what I love
0: about audio? Say I want to tell you about a small village in the Swiss Alps. All I have to do is add a calm breeze some cowbells and chickens clucking, maybe a singing voice in the distance, and voila, you're there in the Swiss Alps. That's the power of audio, imagination, the theater of the mind. In Family Sounds, the audio documentaries we create for families who wish to preserve an important piece of family history, We use the power of audio to tell the personal stories of your parents, grandparents, or any other family member in the most engaging and captivating way possible. It's what we in PI Media do all day, every day, with the podcasts we create. Visit FamilySounds.co and learn more about what we do and how we do it. Family Sounds, a gift from our time to our future. FamilySounds.co Hacking large organizations, banks, governments, isn't usually easy, but there are ways to do it. You could fish the right employee, then escalate privileges. You could find a zero day in a particular software program used by the organization. Or you don't even have to start in cyberspace. Physical breaches, stolen machines, tampered with machines, insider access, hacking buildings themselves, aren't the most widespread security threat out there, but they exist. According to a Verizon report from 2020, physical actions are the sixth most common way that data breaches occur. And they're effective, too. Think about it like this. Would you rather have to remotely hack into a laptop or just swipe it off a desk? Physical security isn't something we talk about much, but we're going to today. Hi, I'm Rael Levy. Welcome to Malicious Life in collaboration with CyberReason. In this episode, we're going to learn how to break into secure buildings, or prevent others from doing it to you.
1: My name is FC, aka Freaky Clown. I'm the co-founder and co-CEO of a cybersecurity company called Sygenta, based in the UK, but we work globally. Sygenta
0: is not like other cybersecurity companies, and FC isn't like other hackers. His speciality is cyber-physical security. Breaking into buildings. Red-teaming for corporations, banks and governments. But, you know, in real life. That makes his workflow a bit different. Like, for example, the first step in most major breaches is reconnaissance. Exploring an organization's digital infrastructure and their employees to find where they're most exposed. FCs, reckon, involves actually going somewhere and probably bringing some binoculars. Is it like the movies where you're just sitting there in your car or sitting with a newspaper on a back? <laughs>
1: yeah, it is, it is um, sometimes more mind-numbingly boring than that. Sometimes it gets like really uh, cold. Um, I remember once um, uh, Reconnaissance um, and a, a very... Well, I can't really say too much about that one. The... There was a building I had to um, look at and I I climbed over this barbed wire fence at like three in the morning and I climbed through this like um, thorn bush, got completely shredded by it. Like I was bleeding everywhere. Um, and I had a, a ski mask on, I had night vision goggles and I had to sit in this ditch it was the only place of like, cover was this ditch that was close enough. Um, and the ditch was half filled with like muddy water, and it had just started to snow, and I was really cold and wet and dirty and bleeding. And I had to sit there for like three or four hours whilst I watched this door um, in order to, to gain some intel before I went back to my hotel room.
0: After the recon phase, hackers usually send a phishing email or text to their victim containing a malicious link or PDF. After his recon, FC does something much more simple. In fact, he doesn't even need to be a hacker for this part.
1: So uh, I never start with the digital first because the digital is actually harder than the physical. And this sounds absolutely crazy, but um, it's genuinely true. It is much easier to walk into a bank or any secure building than it is to digitally break in.
0: Just walking
1: in the front door well actually you'll be really really shocked at how easy it is i remember years and years ago um i was i was on site for a physical test and there was um, a couple of members of our company that were there and one of them said to me like oh, i'd really love to like learn how to do the stuff you do and i'm like it's it's so easy just walk in and it's like, okay well what do I do? Right? I was like, well, you're not really authorized to do this, but I'll show you how easy it is, right? So I'm like, look, come with me. We'll, we'll walk to the front of the building. I'm like, right, look through the, the front windows, right? And you can see how the setup is, right? So the setup is there's a couple of um these electronic barriers. So someone goes up, they swipes a card, the barriers swipe apart, and they walk through. Um, okay, so all you have to do is follow someone through. Right. The way these barriers work is, they they work with a uh, sort of a small beam that goes across. Right. So, if a if a large person with a suitcase is going through, it doesn't shut the doors on the suitcase. Right. So imagine you're as close as physically possible to the person in front of you, that's legitimately allowed to go in, and if you get close enough, it's going to count you as one person. Now, all you have to do is make them feel awkward humans are really bad at being awkward and they want to get away from that situation as quickly as possible so the more awkward you make it for that person then the the less likely they are to confront you and the more likely you are to succeed so it's like it's it's drizzling a little bit all you have to do is run to the front door run through the front door and basically run into the back of someone who is just going through that that gate so he's like, "Is that that easy?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's really that easy." So all he did was he ran up to the the sort of the the front door, ran through the doors, and picked a a person at random who was just swiping their card, ran into the back of them, and he basically said, "Oh, I'm really sorry. I was, I was, I was busy trying to sort of get through really quickly." And he runs into them, and they go through, and they're all feeling awkward because they just got run into. Everyone's wet. Everyone's kind of like, "Oh my god, this is like." sorry, um, and then they, they sort of just let him go through. Most hackers fish their victims to
0: get a foothold. FC simply walks through the front door of their HQ. Once a typical hacker obtains their entry point into a system, they begin to escalate privileges. FC does the same thing. Kind of.
1: In one case, I was in a a very large international bank in their headquarters. It's a bank, but not the sort of high street bank that you normally come across, right? This isn't isn't the sort of place you just walk into. This is the type of place which only deals with other banks. So they move money to other banks. That's, That's all they do, like massive, massive amounts of money.
0: Banks are usually pretty guarded places, and this wasn't the kind of bank that takes visitors. That would presumably make it extra hard to get in, but counterintuitively, it is precisely because the building was so closed off that it was so easy to navigate once inside.
1: that—that uh, that was actually a really uh, great example of how when you're within a company right so there, there's an external perimeter of the fencing or whatever and then you get to the the building's uh, perimeter right so it's like like layers of an onion you get closer and closer um but as you get to that building perimeter um something strange happens once you get past it and that is everyone expects that everyone else has gone through that system Right. So everyone else suddenly trusts everyone else around them. And so they don't sort of go, hmm, hang on, what are you doing here? Why are you here? They, they never question it it's because, well, I went through several layers of security to get here. So they must have done and someone else has done that checking. So I'm just going to implicitly assume that this person works here like a classic hacker FC escalates. Literally, going up
0: to higher, more exclusive floors of the building until he reaches the target he's really been going after
1: all along. And so in this particular instance, I had had trouble trying to find where the C-suite was. Um, and so I actually just went up to someone and asked them. And it turns out that she was like a, a fairly new PA to someone in, in the building that I was at. And she didn't know me. And I was just like, I need to get to the C-suite. Can you show me where it is? And she told me where it was. And I was like, okay, right. Well, I'll try and remember that. And she tried to be so much more helpful. She was like, look, wait, I'll just walk you over there. So she uses her ID card to go through a series of locked doors to get me up into the C-suite. Even though she she didn't know that anyone would be up there. But she allowed me to get up into that, that place. She actually took me over there.
0: Sometimes it's the executive suite where all the juicy stuff
1: is or the server room. I had it once where um, I stopped a security guard and I said to him, look, I'm looking for the, the server room. Um, can you tell me where it is? And rather than questioning me as to why I needed to get there, he was like, oh, sure, I'll take you down there. And so he takes me all the way to the server room. And then I'm like, OK, that's cool. Now we have our foothold in the
0: organization's most critical areas. It's time to find what we've been looking for. Databases, CEOs' emails, official documents. Here's where FC can pivot a physical breach to a digital one. With access to the right machines, he creates a persistent access point. Like how a hacker inside a network might create a user account for themselves
1: or upload a web shell containing remote access malware. So whilst I could break in, plug in a laptop, do some stuff, I at some point will get caught if I stay there. Right? So what we do is we hide a device in another device. Right? So say I'll put a, a Raspberry Pi into a, a VoIP phone and then smuggle the VoIP phone in and plug that in and then leave it so that I have a, a remote connection into their network. So that's one way that we deal with the digital domain with, um, with physical, right? So using the physical access to get digital assets in and then get further access.
0: If the target of the job is tangible, money, documents, machines. It's about looking through drawers and cabinets, finding where the good stuff is hidden.
1: It's probably not very obvious to a lot of people if you don't work in those types of environments, how easy it is to go from a classified area to a non-classified area, Um, because they're, they're generally quite synonymous with each other and you can kind of accidentally move stuff between places if you're not careful you'd think it'd be
0: really difficult to find highly sensitive material. But sometimes it's just about distracting a secretary. On one occasion, FC broke into a high-level government building, the kind of building that houses lots of classified government secrets. And the really bad stuff, those government secrets, they were basically waiting for him.
1: If you work in this sort of environment, there'll be little bins all around your floor where anything classified, you just, and you want to destroy it. You, you don't throw it in the normal rubbish, you throw it in these classified bins. And these bins get collected and then they, they get sort of put together and then they get sent for incineration, right? In the case of that particular building, um, the way it was laid out was kind of interesting. It wasn't multiple floors, it was a single level floor. Um, and they only had access to one loading bay. So within the loading bay they had one area that was designated um, secure and one area that was designated not secure. Which is very bizarre when you think about how these systems generally work. There were markers indicating
0: where to load the trolleys with classified documents, but no physical mechanism separating these two areas or any kind of protection for the more
1: sensitive side what they had done was they had just moved these documents down on these trolleys, loaded them up and they were waiting for the incinerator truck to turn up. Right. So, so some of these sites have incinerators on site, which is great, but some of them do have to wait for these either trucks to take them away or a mobile incinerator to turn up in the case of this, This site, it was a mobile incinerator that would turn up like sort of weekly and then just burn everything and then go off again. Um, So there were just literally these trolleys lined up on the side of the loading dock. And so I was like, oh, okay, I I wonder if I can if I can nick that. And so I managed to get this trolley out of the loading bay and into uh, the public area of the car park.
0: FC had just walked a trolley full of classified government documents out into a public parking lot.
1: And I believe it's, it, I I think, unless someone is, is willing to, to show proof otherwise, um, I think this is probably the largest amount of physical classified data ever stolen from a, a government facility.
0: The breach has now been executed. Time to make our exit. To complete a digital hack is as easy as disconnecting or unplugging. Not for FC. It's counterintuitive, but...
1: A lot of security systems in companies um, allow you to get in very easily, um, but getting out is a lot more difficult.
0: Remember the bank that moves money for other banks? being guided up to the executive office by that new PA? Once FC got what he wanted from the executive suite, he could have exited back the way he came. But what if somebody who didn't see him enter saw him exit? He was on a high floor and would have to pass lots of people on the way back down. One of them might think, hey, that's not somebody who belongs there.
1: And so I open every single cupboard and door that I can to see, A, is it locked? Does it lead anywhere interesting? And can I utilize it as an escape route if I need to run away from security guards? Which does happen quite a lot. While searching the
0: suite, he spotted a small, completely unassuming door. The kind of door where if you stepped in for a meeting and then left, you
1: wouldn't have even registered in your brain. It wasn't so much hidden in a bookshelf or anything like that. It was hidden in plain sight. It was just a very narrow door. It looked like a kind of janitor's cupboard, like a a place you'd put the mops and the brooms and stuff. So it wasn't quite as wide as a normal door. It was just slightly, slightly thinner, but it didn't look like anything. So it was just hidden in plain sight. And people walk past these type of doors all the time. No signage or anything.
0: It was the kind of door you simply wouldn't think to open.
1: I opened it up and uh, there was a secret spiral staircase hidden in this cupboard. An actual hidden staircase in real life. And this was only known to the CEOs or the executives rather um, on that floor because it was a way in and out of the building that none of the other employees could see them so that they could come in, do their thing and then leave without anyone sort of really interfering with them. And it actually went down into a secret car park um, for those CEOs to, to sort of well, sorry, CEOs, the C-suite to, to move in and out of the building whenever they wanted to imagine
0: going to those kinds of lengths just to not have to share an
1: elevator or a parking lot with your
0: employees hm. after the job was through
1: I'm showing the client around who who's part of the security team right that's brought us in the the c-suite don't know about this and so I'm showing him around and he's like okay well we'll go up here I'm like yeah I got in here and I went to the the uh, the car park and he's like we, we don't have a car park. What do you want about? And I'm like, no, you do. Like from the, from the staircase. And he's like, what staircase? And I'm like, you're the security team and you don't know about this staircase. This should definitely be on your radar. Um, so I took him to the staircase and he was like, oh my God. Like, no wonder we can never find them when we need them. Like they just disappear out of the building and nobody seems to know where they are. I'm like, yeah, it's because they bugger off and go and play golf or whatever it is they do. if you're a defender
0: fighting to protect your organization from cyber attackers you must be successful ending attacks every single time they only need to be successful once cyber reason reverses the attackers advantage our future ready attack platform gives defenders the wisdom to uncover understand and piece together multiple threats and the precision focus to end cyber attacks instantly cyber reason ends cyber attacks from endpoints to everywhere Physical security is hard. There aren't many people as practiced as FCs, but if one of them targets you, there's
1: very little you can do to stop them. I've got a 100% success rate with this over the last almost 30 years now.
0: Ultimately, there are two keys to preventing physical breaches. The first is to be proactive and think about the physical security of your facility before it becomes a problem. It's the same rule as digital security. Investing in some fancy software is useless unless you know how to really use it.
1: People put in security measures into their building and they don't understand how they work. And so they actually make things worse. Right. So let's take a couple of examples. Right. So. Um. Almost every building that I break into and almost every building that, you know, some of your listeners will w- walk into in the next year or two will have what's known as a magnetic lock somewhere in them, right? So these are the locks that um, just use a metal plate and an electromagnet on the door. And when electricity runs through that magnetic uh, system, it becomes a magnet and sh- keeps the door shut, right? Right. Almost every once in these, they're, they're on almost every building. Um, and almost every single building will have one that's installed incorrectly. And what I mean by incorrectly is the magnetic part will be exposed to where the attacker is coming from. So the outside. So if you install it incorrectly, all I have to do as an attacker or simulated attacker is either unbolt it or just cut the wires to the electricity. And it therefore becomes no longer a lock, it just becomes an open door. So people put these locks into place and they go, well, we've got extra security on this door, so we don't have to like put in a camera or whatever, a guard or whatever near it. So they think they're putting something in that's actually helping security, but they actually make it worse. The second key to physical security is even more important.
0: The people who inhabit your building, the staff, need to be trained and attuned to the threats they might be leading right through the front door.
1: I think you, you have to really differentiate between being a nice human being that wants to help everyone around them and help the company achieve the goals of whatever that company is trying to do, and security. Security has to come First in a lot of cases, and there's nothing wrong with asking nicely, like, who sent you? Why are you here? Who are you looking for? Can I help you achieve this thing? But we need to go through some security protocols before we do that.
0: Even with perfectly installed magnetic locks and sliding doors, camera systems and checkpoints, there's still that new PA who's going to walk the bad guy right up to the executive suite, or the security guard who points him to the server room. Or the person that got bumped into walking through the turnstile but felt too awkward to say anything. Sometimes the enemy of security is just being too nice. Just a little skepticism might have helped that government organization when FC stole all their documents. Because after escaping to the car park with all that sensitive data, FC realized something.
1: I suddenly realized that I had removed all of this really genuinely classified information and put it into the public area of the car park where anyone could have taken it from me. Because, well, I don't have many defenses, right? And I suddenly started panicking, like, oh my god, like, if this gets stolen from me now that I've stolen it, I'm in big trouble. He'd
0: broken in and gotten out. Now he had to go back in
1: again. So I've got the, getting into the loading bay and I'm going up the ramp and I'm, I'm on the, the, the non-secure side. And I'm trying to take the document trolley to the secure side. Now at this point, there's a, a guy who's found his way back to the loading area, who's now questioning me as to why I'm trying to put a non-classified document trolley into the classified side. And then he's like, well, why are you doing that? And I'm like, actually, this is a classified thing. It's, it shouldn't be on this side. And he's like, oh, my God, like, how did it get that side? I'm like, I don't know. I just noticed it. And he's like, oh, shit, we better get it over there then. And I'm like, OK, well, as long as you don't tell anyone, I won't tell anyone. And so he, he managed to help me get it back into the, the classified section and back where it should be. Wow. So you're kind of like the reverse Ed Snowden at that. Point. <laughs> exactly. Right?
0: That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Actually, that's not the end of the episode. We've got a small extra bonus story from FC we wanted to play for you. So keep listening once I'm done with the credits. Our website is malicious.life. All of our past episodes are there, including full transcripts. You can follow us on Twitter at on maliciouslife or follow me at ranlevi. That's R A N L E V I. And you can also reach out to me by mail ran at ranlevi.com. Malicious Life is produced by PI Media. Nate Nelson is our senior producer. Beno Habari does the sound design. Thanks again to Cyberreason for underwriting the podcast. Learn more at cyberreason.com. And now, a funny little story from FC we just couldn't fit in the episode itself but was absolutely too hilarious to miss. Enjoy. What is the kidnapping of a guard story?
1: (laughs) So the kidnapping of the guard was a very interesting uh, job. We were asked to uh, test the security of a, a data center, right? So a data center for the listeners that don't know is basically just a, a big building, massive warehouse that just contains computers, right? And it's kind of like a, a farm for computers, right? Hence a server farm. Um, And there's not many people that go into these places, like a few IT technicians, etc. But this particular uh, financial institution had their own data center. A lot of them are shared, right? So you have, if if we have our uh, computers in a data center, as a small company, we would probably have to sort of share share that system with, with some other people, right? So this bank decided to be more secure by having their own building. Full up all their computers worth billions and billions of pounds going through this system. And what they did was they, they decided that the best way to secure this place is to have guards on it. Now, not armed guards, I'm, I'm not going to say they were armed, um, but they had guards. And these guards were ex Gurkhas. For those of you who,
0: like me, have never heard of the Gurkhas, they are Nepalese soldiers recruited for the British Army. According to Wikipedia, the Gurkhas are known as fearless soldiers. One British commander is quoted as saying, If a man says he's not afraid of dying, he's either lying or he's a Gurkha.
1: Now, Gurkhas are a ferocious, um, amazing, well-trained group of soldiers. right? Now, these ex-Gurkhas had got um, work as a security firm, and they had got the contract for protecting this one building and so we were asked like can we get into this building this is one of the few times where it's like can you even think about getting in right because we know that if you get in all all damage is done so i go and look at the building and i'm doing a lot of recon with it and i notice that there's there's a couple of things where they do like a, a shift change and stuff like that and during the shift change what they do is they they have the new shift come in and the old shift the new the new and the old shift both go into the building to do their handoff and one guy is left outside right so just one guard to take to take care of and this only has about like a 10 15 minute window and so uh i hire a car i sit outside this data center in a somewhat non-suspicious area and i wait for the um the last of the new um squad to turn up and as the gate is shutting i floor my car or the higher car rather speed through the barrier smash the wind mirror off go through a hedge uh, over some curbs um grab the guard who's um who's been left outside um shove him into the car handbrake turn around and uh, sort of skid around the car park a little bit and then back out through the barriers um, to a safe location where I can explain to the guard why he's just been kidnapped.